We know you're seeing all the Mother's Day gift guides everywhere. And while we usually do some Didn't I Just Feed You version, this year we have the one perfect Mother's Day gift that works for everyone, even our last minute shoppers, mylifeinabook.com. Mylifeinabook.com is a unique service that turns the life stories of people you love into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your gift recipient a question via email. These can be pre-written questions that they provide, or you can customize the questions the way that I did for my mom. Your recipient can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. Mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. I'm really excited to be creating a book with my own mom this year, and I can't wait to hear some of her childhood memories, what it was really like raising three kids as a single mother, and how she's enjoyed becoming a grandmother, too. And when the book is done, you'll have a beautiful keepsake for her and for you, too. You can even choose to have an audiobook created from the recordings. It's easy to sign up, and the process is automated, so you don't have to worry about missing a week. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code D-I-J-F-Y at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code D-I-J-F-Y for 10% off today. This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with Byheart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is Byheart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. Additional terms and conditions apply. Megan, I need your help. I need new strategies to keep my boys away from my favorite sweet treat. Wait, what are they stealing? And can I have some? (laughs) (laughs) They won't stop digging into my Briar's Carb Smart. I keep explaining that I buy it for myself because it's low carb and they know that I eat lower carb for health reasons, but they don't seem to care because the flavors are so good. (laughs) 13-year-old even says that he should eat it because it's got three grams of fiber, which is good for everybody. Ugh, Habilis, I wish I could help. But can I be honest? I don't watch carbs or much of anything else other than taste, and I'm obsessed with Breyer's Carb Smart, too, because hello, tubs and bars and caramel swirl, chocolate-covered almond, vanilla, and peanut butter. Yes! You're no help! (laughs) (laughs) But I suppose this makes it easier to have an ice cream party together one day when we can. So fine, I'll share with all of you. If you want to get in on the fun too, whether you're on a low-carb diet like Stacy or an eat-anything diet you love like me, look for Briar's Carb Smart at all major retailers and get an exclusive discount code at briars.com backslash didn't I just feed you. 
The recipes and the blogs are just like all forms of social media. They're slightly filled with lies. And so they chose the most beautiful version of a proofed loaf. Do you know what I mean? And like, your bread might not look like that. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hey, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey guys, before we get started, we want to make sure as we do every single week that if you haven't already, you take a moment right now to hit subscribe wherever you are listening. That way you don't miss a single thing. And if you're feeling really generous, which we know you are, you can rate and review too. It helps us a ton with morale, as we've mentioned, but it also helps other people find the podcast. Today, we are going to give Stacy a sourdough bread therapy session. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by this. Like why sourdough took hold, how it took hold of me, the pressure I felt that I still am sourdough curious, but also like, it's like a whole range of emotions. And I'm just, I'm really wondering where people are at now that the frenzy has died down. Does that mean you guys, it was like a fad and it's over or are there lessons you learned from sourdough that you're going to take into life moving forward? I'm just really curious. It's sort of by design that we are publishing this after the frenzy. You know, I think we didn't want to get into it. You also were probably sick of it because you were also at kitchen.com teaching people. Yeah. We were just living our experiences at the beginning of quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) We couldn't talk about them yet. Yeah. Feels like a good time. Like pure data is that the sourdough trend has died down, as has the banana bread trend that was like really popping at the beginning of quarantine. Oh my gosh, we have to link to the Instagram you sent me. Oh, this I will. Guy doing impressions. <gasps> banana bread's publicist. Banana bread. He's yes. like, hello, BB. Oh my God, are we you did sitting it. down? It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. We will put that in the show notes for sure. I do want to start a thread in the listeners group and just like check in with everyone. And because I know there were sourdough questions in there as well. And so I'm curious if the people who started sourdough at the beginning of quarantine are keeping up with it. And if there are people like you, Stacey, who are like struggling to find the love in it. And then people who just like absolutely quit making sourdough. I think there was a really interesting thing that happened that led to this quick spike in everyone making sourdough, which was right when quarantine happened and, you know, there was like those big um, grocery hoarding sprees where people were like buying up all the pasta and all the canned beans and all the dried beans and toilet paper. People also bought a lot of the, the yeast up in the grocery stores. And then they went to their friends who were like more seasoned bakers. And they're like, the seasoned bakers were like, oh, no problem. Just start a sourdough starter, which seems like a really easy thing when you're living it. But if you've never done sourdough before, you've never had a starter before, it's super overwhelming. And there's like a lot of information that happens. So I think a lot of people were sort of lied to <laughs> about yeah. how easy sourdough starter would be. And then, of course, our guest today, Kathy, she touched on this, that there were people who were like, oh, I finally have some time to tackle a project I 
think I would like and that I like would be good at. And then they too found that they were overwhelmed. And then right after the yeast short- shortage, there was also a flour shortage in a lot of areas. Yes. And so people who started sourdough had to give up on it because they couldn't feed their starters or they maybe had their starter get a little wonky because they had to feed it different flour and then they gave up on it too. And, you know, I think that a lot of the confusion and overwhelm, it's interesting to me that our interview with Kathy went the way that it did because, you know, given who I am and where I am in my sourdough life, I was like, (laughs) let's get on. And I have two experts. I have Megan. I have Kathy. And let's break this shiz down. Like, tell me, like, what do I do? What are the measures? And actually, that's just not how it works. Yeah. (laughs) That's how it turned into a therapy session. And so even though we don't get into nitty gritty like that, really, in this episode, I think it's what I needed to hear that this is actually like part art and so personal. And we do... Kathy gives some great tips about like getting started and kind of getting back on track and how you can do that. But I think what people who are having a hard time might need to hear is that, yeah, it is complicated. It's also okay, (laughs) a big deal. And it's a relationship and it's, you know, it's all these things. And if you can just be comfortable with that, then it starts to come together. You know what I loved about this interview and also doing this show post the sourdough spike is that it's really an interesting case study in sort of like internet culture meets food culture. And you touched on this a little bit when we get into talking with Kathy about like the struggles that people have with sourdough, the backlash that came out of the spike in sourdough, those are all, like, things that are also inherent in food media in general. Like, the sort of lies. I'm using air Why am I using air quotes when we're I don't know. You love that. That's your favorite thing. You use them, and then you also tell us you're using them. I know. Okay. I'm sorry. The lies that food writers tell, food editors tell about, like, how taxing certain tasks are, like caramelizing onions. We always use that as an example. They're like, oh, in eight minutes, your onions will caramelize. No, it's going to (laughs) take 25 minutes at a minimum for like half an onion to caramelize. Any more than that, and you're going to like triple the time. But right, like that's the, the thing about sourdough is people are like, oh, sourdough is so easy. And it's easy once you have found your bread guru, like the recipe that you're going to follow, once you've established a routine in your home, and also just you've developed that muscle memory for making sourdough is when it becomes easy. And I think that what is true for sourdough is true for a lot of home cooking too. Okay. And also, you know what you're making me think of? I feel like even though I am not by any means like relinquishing responsibility, because both you and I have done that. Yes. Probably should sure. do it again and be like, no, you guys, it's so easy. Just try it. Um, and I'm sure there are people who want to punch us in the face about it and that's fine. Um, I get it, but <laughs> I get hate you, mail. It's fine. You, you and I are more <laughs> sensitive to this because I do think we're sensitive to this happening in our industry and when we see it happening with other food writers, because I really do think you and I, it's part of why we love each other, why we felt like we could work with each other. Don't just come at this 
as only trained food professionals. We also are very much about being moms. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's why we don't, why we Busy haven't chosen parents. to work in a, right, to work in a restaurant or to work because parenting is a really big part of how we identify personally. Yes. It doesn't make us better or worse. It just is. So, you know, this parenthood lens is very tied to our cooking and we try to bring it to everything that we do. Yes. And so we're just more aware of like, even the things that we love to do, if you put us in a classroom or if you give us a professional kitchen and say, you have the day, someone's taking care of the kids. What we're going to do in that environment is completely different than what we're going to do in our home kitchen. And we're really trying to help home cooks. Forever. Forever. It's our one so, mission. Yeah, I do. I do feel like there was something about entering sourdough culture where I had a fantasy that I was going to have more time. Mm, and I, I could, love that fantasy. I love it. <laughs> and then when I didn't, and it was difficult, and all these people were like, it's pretty easy, it's pretty easy. But there were all these people who were like in the culture already. Yes. I felt on the outside and like overwhelmed and like, this is hard. And was like, okay, F this. Yeah. But what I love about talking to Kathy is I feel like she kind of dismantled that where it made it very like it's personal, it's passionate. You may like it, you may not. Like this is what you need to do to make sure you have the bandwidth to give it a try and like really give it a chance because it is hard work in some ways, you know, and then kind of see what happens. Yes. And that is like also where our heart is strangely because we love cooking. And even though we all are always bringing that lens of parenthood, sometimes we do get like, okay, but come on guys, like make that homemade pasta. Like it's fun. <laughs> It'll feed your soul or, you know, like yeah. make that homemade ricotta cheese, like try it maybe. We do want to be encouraging and give confidence to those people who want to take on projects because we certainly feel like we want to do that from time to time. Um, I do think there's a difference in weeknight cooking and weekend project cooking. And I think yeah. that there's room in everyone's kitchen for both. It does not have to be sourdough. <laughs> Your project cooking <laughs> does not have to be sourdough at all. It could be, like you said, making pasta or maybe you get really into making sauces or... You want to ma master whole animal butchery or something wild like that in your kitchen. And I am going to say, though, I actually think that there are some people for whom project cooking will never be. Yes. Yes. And that's okay, too. You know, just tune into the people who help give you the tools, the basic tools you need to get food on the table that you enjoy and feel good about and move on. Yeah, I, I think that's like also a life lesson, too. I follow this woman, Elise Cripp is her name. She wrote this book called Big Dreams, Daily Joy that I really enjoyed. We'll link to it. I think that's the name of it. We'll link to it in show notes. But she has this like very pragmatic lens that she looks at everything with and she has this ability and it's something like I've learned from her following her on Instagram or reading her books to look at something and say good for her not for me so like I can look at some big projects like 
people making color-coded distance learning schedules and <laughs> and just know good for her yeah not for me and not and it like immediately alleviates that weird pressure that I think some of us feel to do project cooking or to like be a master homeschooler or whatever have a super clean house whatever it might be like if that's not a priority for you cool yeah and so awesome that you say that because If we had approached this episode about sourdough in the way that I thought we were going to when we first invited Kathy on, like get down to the nitty gritty, it might have actually even been misleading. Like this is a hard project. It is something involved. It will get easier. But like we could have made it sound like, okay, like get this, this and this and this, this and this and then just do it. And actually what I think talking to Kathy did was also remind me that like it may not be for everyone. It's like it's a soul thing (laughs) and everybody's (laughs) soul needs different nourishment, you know? So after listening to us talk to Kathy, if you're like, oh, hell no, they didn't give me the details. That sounds hard, whatever. Okay, like then you got something out of this listen. Yeah. Like maybe you realized it was not for you. <laughs> right. Good for them, not for me. Yes. But if it spoke to you the way it really did speak to me, it can like maybe reinvigorate you or kind of revive your interest or your yeah. um the wherewithal <laughs> you have to put into it. You know what I think we should do too, Stacey, is make the show notes a place where we can put our suggested like recipes to follow because I really love actually King Arthur Flowers no need sourdough. And I think they have a nice like small batch sourdough to follow. So we should just link to a ton of resources and let people find their find their bread guru, which is what this yes. whole episode is really about, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Hey, before we hear from Kathy, I think we should take a little snack break. Grab some ice cream with Briars. I need a snack. You guys, I am so excited to talk to you about our latest sponsor, Thrive Market. Our podcast name, Didn't I Just Feed You, comes from saying those exact words to our kids over and over, mostly about snack time. And Thrive Market has been my longtime, not-so-secret source for keeping up with all the snacking while also keeping it healthier. Stacy, your epic Thrive Market snack hauls are what made me a customer. Although, you know me, I was really sold once I realized that membership meant 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices and that orders $49 and over ship for free. Right? I mean, anyone who's feeding a family will absolutely save money and not just on snacks. Thrive Market is a fantastic source of all organic and non-GMO foods, clean beauty and non-toxic home products, plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine hello Hello. (laughs) and more also for us it's no small deal that thrive market does as much good in the world as it does for its customers they've always delivered with carbon neutral shipping from zero waste warehouses and they've continued that while also maintaining fair practices for their warehouse team and did you know that thrive also has a one-for-one membership matching program where every paid membership sponsors a free one for a low-income family And they even have started a Thrive Market COVID-19 relief fund that has raised over $500,000 so far to provide grocery stipends to families facing hardships due to COVID-19. All that, and they provide a direct line to our snack pantries, which is pretty much the most helpful thing anybody can do for parents right now. Since we want every listener to get in on all the goodness, we've got a special offer. Go to thrivemarket.com backslash didn't I just feed you and choose from whichever membership works best for you. They offer one and 12 month options. 
Once you do, you'll automatically get $20 shopping credit on your first order. This week's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Breyers Ice Cream, America's number one ice cream brand. Breyers Carb Smart offers food lovers like me on a low-carb diet, a line of sweets with three to five grams net carbs per serving in flavors like chocolate-covered almond, vanilla, peanut butter, and caramel swirl. They are the perfect way to get my frozen treat fix, except for the fact that they're so good my kids keep stealing my stash. To get an exclusive discount on your next purchase, visit briars.com backslash didn't I just feed you. All right. So we've already talked about Kathy, 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 Kathy. She's so fantastic. She's one of the people who organized on my block um, getting food from the green market. And we she set up these boxes of watermelon radishes and sunchokes and spinach that we all ordered in her house. There was a scale out there and everyone showed up like and we kind of waited in a social distance line or kind of went in and out checking when the table was free, put on our gloves, our masks and all kind of divvied up our produce. It was such a lovely block moment. So that's who Kathy is to me. But to you guys, <laughs> Kathy Lloyd Burns is a mom, a former actress, a certified postpartum doula, which actually I think you guys will hear that in her talking to us, and a professional baker with a specialty in sourdough. She holds classes in her Brooklyn home, which will resume the minute it is safe to. And there you get to spend the whole day learning about and making sourdough, the entire process, and eating bread all day too, which, come on, I mean, that's worth paying for alone. She's also a three-time published author. She has a memoir that is very beautiful and two adorable children's books that you should definitely check out if you have little ones. We will have the links to all of her books in the show notes. All right. So ladies, I'm talking to two bakers and I feel a little like, I don't know. I was going to say like intimidated. <laughs> Intimidated is so much more eloquent I and tell reasonable. I've been hanging out with tween boys that butthole was. <laughs> butthole was the first word to come to you. Okay. Uh, it was. It was. It's been it was. too long. Um, so, okay. Sourdough. Everybody was so excited. Oh my God. Instagram, everywhere. Blah, 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 blah. And I kind of like was a hater for a minute. I was I like, know. I'm going to joke about it. But then like, really, I am kind of curious. <laughs> and You're sourdough curious. I am. I am sourdough <laughs> curious. But so then I, you, Kathy, full disclosure, you're my neighbor. You very generously saw me poking fun. And you were like, no, really, like in earnest, like, let me help. And I got the sourdough starter. And I have to say, there is something very soothing about caring for this thing that lives in my refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Like I enjoy like when my alarm goes off and it's, oh, it's my day to care for this thing. Mm -hmm. Because I think that I've been caring for so many people and not feeling like I'm getting appreciation back. <laughs> so when the sourdough starter starts to like bubble and grow, I'm like, I care for you and you love me back. Like yes. you're active and you're doing something for me and then I can use you for something pleasurable. But here we go. I'm going to stop carrying on. I haven't baked a single loaf of bread. Like I, don't, I just care for it. I make things with the sourdough starter and then I don't actually bake bread. So. I don't even know where to go from here. Like, but what's you the have question? Made something with it, right? I have. I okay. have. And I'm very excited about a lot of sourdough starter discard recipes. Mm -hmm. So I still think there's like either an 
intimidation factor. Although I've baked bread before. I don't know. I, it's not my thing. So I am kind of curious about what happened out there in the world that everybody got really excited, baked their bread, and now that excitement seems to be dying down. Was that about stress? Is it soothing? Was that about like, I need just a way to be busy during this quarantine and now people are settling in back to like, okay, this is a new reality. I'm curious your take on this. Well, thank you for thinking that I have a take, but I, first of all, I didn't even know it was dying down. And I guess I would attribute that to just sort of like, oh my God, it's the pandemic. I'm working from home or I'm not working or the world is falling apart. I might as well learn Mandarin or, (laughs) you know, I'm going to finally bake uh, sourdough or I'm going to make croissant or I'm going to do that thing that I'm going to paint. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to learn how to knit. Whatever those things are that life gets in the way, you're like, I can actually learn how to play the guitar or something. And I maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Almost like a rush to productivity. Yeah. And also, I think there's, I feel like there is this weird shift of priorities where people are like, I work my off every day. And it turns out that, I mean, I have a friend who just works. She's an incredible cook, an amazing, amazing cook. And she's been so stressed out for the last 10 years. She's got four kids. She's working. She wants All she wants to do is knit and cook. Yeah. And now she's working from home, a much more limited schedule. And her job is just different because she doesn't have to physically take care of all these people in her office. And yep. she's so happy. Yeah. You know, she just feels like this is how she wishes life was. She's not making sourdough, but she is <laughs> she is cooking a lot of things that she never tried before. So maybe that's some of it. I mean, in general, I can just say that like two years ago, someone stayed with my family. And when they left, they sent me two trees for my backyard. Oh. And I burst into tears. And my husband was like, why are you such an That's a nice <laughs> gift. And I was like, you don't understand. I can't take care of any other thing like keeping my starter alive keeping you like it's too many things to take care of I I don't I can't so I get like what you're saying Stacey about you know feeding it and it's a lot and it is a responsibility that sometimes I can't deal with but I think for me what I love about it is that it's a science and an art and there Mm. are lots of like bro-y guys who are tech people who make like these beautiful breads and (laughs) I'm so into their Instagrams and then I find out that they're just engineers, (laughs) which is fine. But to me, it's a science and an art. And the science part is chemistry and it's all the different variables, which make it something that you have to pay attention to. But in the end, for me, what I love about it is that it is alive and I can't control it and I don't want to control it. Like the idea of chasing the perfect loaf, I don't look at it that way. I hang out with my starter, my bread. I kind of let it be. And it's one thing that I don't actually try to control. I try to get to know it, you know, and my bread practice is it's like always evolving. And I'm like, oh, I could do this. And I'm just learning as I'm doing it. And it just feels I don't know. It just feels really nice. And I love that it's it's part of me. Like it literally is alive because of my microbes, my yeast, my environment. Mm. Yours is alive because of yours. And that's also so beautiful. Megan's starter and her bread will never taste like yours or mine because it's part of her. 
That's so interesting. So it's very personal. It's like to me, literally the most personal thing I could do is make you a loaf of bread because it actually is part of me. And I just, I don't know. I just love it. So, but you're hitting on something that I think is uh, confusing to me Mm -hmm. about (laughs) it as someone who wants to like, like it. Yeah. And like, (laughs) yes. And like put boundaries. I'm like, I'm trying to like capture it so that I can like it. And then once I'm in it and I feel like I know it, then I feel like I can loosen up and like have this like beautiful philosophy like you. But for now, as I try to wrap my head around it, it at once feels so fussy. Like, Right. Can you describe what it, what that, what you mean by that? Like, did I, like, did I, did I stir too much or you're not supposed to stir too much? Uh, It's overflowing. Should I put it into the new container or will I mess up the microbes by switching containers? Like, on one hand, it feels like there's so much exactness and I don't feel like I have a lot of room for that in my life. But then on the other hand, I've learned that like people have found sourdough starters in like ancient tombs and it's mm-hmm. hundreds of years old. So like, well, what the f-? like, obviously the starter can live in like a, a, in tomb. a tomb. So, so why so, are you stressing about right. it? <laughs> and then I go back and forth and then I feel like I never really get a handle on the fundamentals. Well, I think that's the problem is that you just you are worried about the details. And once you understand that all you have to do is just feed it. And there are many other ways of feeding it, by the way, but this is just like one way. You know, you feed it equal. Am- I mean, I think the the concept of feeding your starter is confusing because when I think of feeding something, I think of giving food to a thing. But really what you're doing every day in a way with sourdough starter is making a new starter by mixing equal amounts of flour and water in a clean jar and then adding a little tiny bit of your old starter to that. Oh, and it's not a, how I've been doing. <laughs> right. So that's just because I didn't explain it very well to you. Oh, don't worry, Kathy. Stacy was definitely like texting me as soon as you dropped off starter. She's like, okay, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be a pest. But what no, is your I best advice? You pa- I, I said you should. It's, it's like, I mean, it just reminds me a little bit of like, you know, when my daughter, who's older than your kids, came home one weekend from you know, second grade or something with somebody's, those like Japanese toys that you have to take care of. A Tamagotchi. Yeah, a Tamagotchi. And we were like, oh my God. And I was like, yay, we got one. We didn't have to buy it. And, you know, (laughs) we just have it for the weekend. And then this thing like required some, like I didn't realize we could kill it. (laughs) That was like terrifying. It was very upsetting to me, you know, and we were like, oh my God, it's like drowning in its own poop. We haven't fed it. Like what the... It's very upsetting. And I think that a starter is sort of like that. But once yeah, you realize. Right. But that's just because you didn't, you felt maybe embarrassed about asking what to do with it. And I didn't explain it very well. But that is part of why the class is so amazing. Because, I mean, I teach a sourdough bread baking class that takes all day. And by the end of the day, these questions, like people actually get it. Because it's weird. Yes, it's like, what is yes. the starter? It's kind of, it's not that easy to to answer. And I don't think, I mean, for me, myself, I don't know why I learned how to do it. But what I wish was that somebody like me had a class who just like stayed with me for the whole process, you know, and helped me. Because it is very confusing. And the other thing that's very confusing is that every, it's cooking. So like your grandmother, I mean, I don't know, probably no one here is Jewish, but like 
latkes. Like everyone's like, my grandmother makes the best latkes. And they do, but they don't make them like somebody else's grandmother. That's true. And somebody else's aunt makes the best gravy and she doesn't, you know, add the meat until this point. And some people swear that you have to saute garlic before onions. And it doesn't matter. It's just how people do it. So I think what happens is you you look at a lot of different videos or blogs or recipes and everybody does it differently. So it's terrifying. That's how it was for me. So I want to say that I think this is great because this is like, let's get down to some nitty gritty. And I think this helps. So part of my confusion was that I was going to all different sources. Like I didn't want to bother Megan too much. I didn't want to bother you too much. You go on one site, you read one thing. Yeah. And it's true that that whole, like the process it is a process. So committing to one way of doing it, learning it, and then having a foundation on which you can riff or change or pull in new techniques that you read about and see if they work for you. That is not something I did. It sounds like, Kathy, your class, which we are going to link to in the show notes because we can't do it in quarantine. And that's so sad for everybody. But as soon as you're back, I imagine you're going to start up again. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I mean, I am going to start up again. And I hope that the entire world didn't learn during quarantine they and they didn't. won't come they over. They did not to tell you. Okay, great. That we've but, been effing it up. <laughs> great. That's great. But Stacey, it's basically like cooking. You know, it's like, it's like some people like their toast on level seven. Some people like it on level two and not one is right or one is wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think if you yeah, look yes. up a recipe for how to make anything, you're going to find different methodologies. And it's just because it happens to work for one person. So, so do that's you guys their have recipe. A, you, Kathy, is mm-hmm. your methodology, I know you have a curriculum that you use for your class. Is there somewhere online where people can find it or they are going to wait and take your class when they come to New York City? I haven't put out the curriculum because so much of it is about touching it and feeling it yes. and doing it. And I've even thought about like doing a Zoom class and I maybe I will or the video, but it's like the reason that the class is so good is because when you look at a photograph in a cookbook or on a blog, they're showing you an angle that you're not going to see when you look at your bowl. And you're going right. to be like, I don't know. Is this the same amount of bubbles? I don't know. Plus, The recipes and the blogs are just like all forms of social media. They're slightly filled with lies. And so they chose the (laughs) most beautiful version of a proofed loaf. Do you know what I mean? And like your bread might not look like that. Yeah. And the best angle for that loaf of bread too. And also like if you're looking straight down, you're going to see a different type of bubble formation if you're looking at the, you know, slightly 45 degrees. So over the course of the day, you're just seeing what happens and you're getting a sense. And so you're not as scared when you go home and try to do it, you know? So do you think that people should not be trying to bake sourdough on their own? Like, no, of do course you need they a, should. Do you need a, like, guru to usher you through? <laughs> I mean, no. it's nice. I think you wanted, you know, Stacy, and you could have had me. You could have called us and we could have helped you feed your starter. Do you know what I mean? But you were like nervous about that. So you just consulted recipes and online and you got more lost. So I think it's like anything that you're doing in the beginning. It's nice to have somebody help you. I mean, I feel like most of us learned how to cook from someone, right? 
I certainly did. And like, who taught you? Well, you know, it wasn't formally taught, but I grew up in restaurants and my grandmother was a big cook. Right. And so, like, there's a day where I spent with my grandmother and she taught me how to make mandel bread and knishes and Mm. one other thing that now I'm not remembering. And they were all literally the same ingredients. (laughs) I was like, wait. It's Why is that a cookie yeah. and not a, not a savory dinner? Like, And she didn't measure anything, but it was just she was comfortable with the process. And I think that that's the difference is you, you know, if you if I mean, I guess like I know how to cook and I cook and I always have cooked and people are very anxious about cooking. They I'm are. not because yes. I sort of get what you do and I understand what it means to saute. Like there's just terminology, but people enjoy being taught by a person like their grandmother, their mother, or a friend, you know. I mean, you must have friends who come over and they watch you make dinner and they're like, oh my God. I don't know that they do that, but they should oh, maybe. Stacey, <laughs> yeah, <that> they do. <laughs> Definitely on your IGTV, Stacy. people are like, oh, wow, I would never have thought to do that. So it's sort of the same thing. It is, it is. So, and I guess sourdough is such a big, long process and you invest right. so much time that it's not something where you can watch someone do it even in their like edited, quick little no, short and video. and an edited thing is the worst because it skips what you have to look for. Yeah. Right. And it's also, I think, hard to teach something like like bread bread baking in general, where it's a lot of muscle memory. And yeah. you, you might do something that's so ingrained in your process that you wouldn't think to call it out. But it's like right. the secret to success for some right. parts of the process. And a video will never capture that. Like, what would that be for you, do you think? I, I think. Wonder. OK, so one thing that's come up a lot because... We've been doing that, like at my day job at Kitchen, we've been doing this sourdough school. Well, we don't call it sourdough school, but we've been taking people's questions about sourdough actively in our um, Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And people get really confused even about the idea of what is discard. Yeah. And like, Like what is Levan? What is starter? What is my. Yes. Yes. And it's like, they're all pre ferments. Like, and you can use your discard as starter. Stacey, are you okay during this? It's very... <laughs> Is it triggering? I did. When you said you started to say some words. And I, I know. I, I can feel you just like being like... <laughs> yeah. And there she goes. Yeah. Yes. No, but do it. I like it. It's kind of sexy. Go ahead. So, yeah, I think there's some even just confusion about terminology. And I think a lot of people struggle with... I don't I know everyone's sourdough process is a little bit different, but sort of like the folding, which is actually a kneading process that takes maybe the course of a whole day and like what their dough should feel like and smell like along the way. Everybody's dough will feel different depending on how hydrated it is and what kind of flour they're using and how, you know, like a bunch of things. But but that literally what you're describing like what is the discard what is the starter what is the difference between starter refreshed starter levan wild yeast that is what people by the end of six hours in my home they kind of understand it yes so and we can't get everyone to the class yet so i want to ask a really practical question for those people at home who Jumped on the sourdough bandwagon, <clears throat> well, Stacy, <laughs> and now they have they've maybe like me attempted a few loaves, or they've done baking projects with the discard, and they have a starter at home, and they're trying to figure out like, okay, 
I have this starter. How do I like make this a practical part of my kitchen routine? Like how do I feed it? How do I store it long term? And also like what can I be baking with it that maybe isn't a beautiful loaf of sourdough bread every week because now they may not have the time. So I think that that there are a lot of things that go into making a great loaf of bread, but one of them has to do with how active and how strong and vigorous your starter is. So if you are a person who has cared for it, for me, this is how my starter works. Like if I've cared for it out in room temperature and fed it twice a day for a while, it's very, very strong and feels loved and secure and it is ready <laughs> to um you know, it's it's ready to do its thing and live its best life, then I can put it in the fridge and only feed it once a week. And then the things that I can do with that starter are I can make crackers. I can make pan- amazing pancake batter, waffle batter. There's so many muffin recipes, coffee cakes. And what's the benefit? Like why? I mean, I have oh, it. Oh, why so should I, I use do that it? instead of regular bread. Okay. First of all, because sourdough was a fermented food, it's actually easier to digest and it builds your gut biome. So Uh that's great. It's healthy. A lot of people who are not celiac, but gluten intolerant can digest sourdough (gasps) products. Really? Yeah. Because it's, it, pre-digest the wheat and it makes Mm -hmm. it a lot more accessible to your digestive tract. So that's one reason. And then the other reason is because it's just part of you and it's nice. Yeah. And it's I also a like the thing. flavor. Yeah. But that's also kind of like because you can make sourdough that's super, super sour or you can make sour. Like, I don't feel like my sourdough bread is super tangy. I mean, I've had your bed and it's just so delicious. I don't but know do that you I feel can like spe- it's very tangy. It's not like- super tangy. No, mm-hmm. but it definitely has some tang, which is what I like about it. I feel like mm-hmm. that's I'm driven by taste. Like if I'm going to put a long time into a project, I want it to taste delicious. Yeah. I want to be like, well, this totally. is, ah, oh, yes. So, and actually I said earlier in the episode that I hadn't baked bread. I lied because I forgot about the <laughs> bread I made. That was like basically the butt of my boy's jokes for two yeah, but weeks. That butt, did it taste good? It, it like, well, it's funny because Isaac was like, the flavor's okay. Mm-hmm. It's just like you could kill somebody with it. Like like he was choking it down. It was so dense. It was so hard. It was so wrong. Well, I think your starter maybe wasn't vigorous. Ready. It didn't quite yeah. feel secure enough yes, in its new it home. Yes, it didn't. It knew that I was kind of a bad mom. No. And it was like, I'm shy. I it don't know if I'm safe fear. here. It smelled my fear. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it just wasn't quite ready. You're a great mom. It just needed more of you. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, so there's lots of things you can make. I do have to say also, though, when I made sourdough pancakes, I loved them. Mm -hmm. Uh, My 10-year-old was like, this tastes like alcohol. Oh, well, that's because, Stacey, maybe. Because when you keep using the same jar, you are there's a byproduct of the fermentation that actually is alcohol, Mm -hmm. pooch, you know? And um, so if you... Part of why using a new jar every time is that it removes that acid overload. Oh. It's acid that that is part of the fermentation process. So by putting it in a new jar, you're limiting the buildup of that, and that changes the flavor. That would take away the 
the alcoholic. The alcoholic part. Does that affect sourness as well? It affects sourness and it also affects the ability of the starter to leaven because there's an imbalance. Like, I mean, pretty much what we're collecting in that jar could close a restaurant down. I mean, it's just like all these (laughs) microbes and everything. But the balance of acid to bacteria is such that it's it's not dangerous. Okay. And when the acid builds up, it kills too many things. And then it just doesn't, the dough doesn't rise. Yeah, my dough did not rise. It was so sad. All right. So here are some takeaways. Like, I just want to get back into like, I'm trying to let go of my like fear and my desire to control my desire to say I'm a food professional. I should be able to put a whole day into something and something amazing should come out. Otherwise, I peace out. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to put all that aside in general. But for the moment, like channeling our listeners, like those who aren't well versed in sourdough, like that stuff is all like may still be there and very real. So I'm getting choose a source and stick with the source because... Yes, I think that's great advice. Pick one source, do what they say, repeat repeat it a few times because the first time you do it, you may just be like barely breathing. Yes. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? And then also if you have a friend who makes bread, call them up and let them be your bread doula. I mean, I have, I can't even tell you like my tenant, I was her bread doula. I mean, I can't tell you how many times. Has she moved on? She doesn't need me anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, I ran downstairs all the time. And also, I think if you call friends who bake bread and ask for help, definitely share with them the recipe that you're trying to make so that they don't pipe in with their own system and confuse you. Because there is no right or wrong way to make bread. There are just lots of different ways, the same way that there are lots of different recipes for um, French toast. Some people put vanilla in, some people don't, some people like it soggy or like it doesn't, you know, yes, it's just totally. taste. It's just personal. Totally. So that's what I would say. Find okay. a recipe. Find a recipe and then stick with it. Even if it doesn't work out the first time. Definitely. Stick with the process because and that may be you. That may be a function of a, a, so many different factors that you really need to commit to it. Yeah. And I would definitely like I am absolutely available at any time. Anyone can call me ever and ask me a sourdough oh question. They can ask should we put your sourdough. Yeah, should we yes. number in the show notes? I'm kidding, Kathy. We would You could really put do my that. website and they can email me <laughs> we and then will. set up we a will phone do that thing for totally. Sure. I mean, I literally it's my my family was so they were like, Thank God someone asked you to talk about sourdough. <laughs> Like, we're so happy that you will be quiet (laughs) to us about it. I don't know. I just love it. So, okay, you love it, too. And you have clearly, I mean, more than anything on this call, I feel like we feel that love so real and deeply that Thank in you. and of itself is inspiring. And, and I, that's how I feel when I talk about cooking, you know, mm-hmm. like I can get lost in talking about it, but okay. So what is it for someone who's still learning, who doesn't quite love it? Quarantine opens up, people go back to work. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if I want like everything to go back to exactly the way it was before, you know, who knows Uh what's ahead for us. But 
the value of this, like I always say in a, in a non-judgmental way, like this may not pan out for you, but here are what I believe the value of cooking is, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you'll find that to be the case for you. Maybe you won't. For you, the value of taking on sourdough in particular, not just bread baking, like what's that about? Why do you want people to consider committing to learning this? Well, I think that there is something absolutely magical and metaphysical and incredible about the fact that any human being can take water and flour and turn it into something that is so delicious. So delicious. I mean, and I will say that, you know, a long time ago when I was younger and I was constantly moving apartments, my mother would always show up with what she claimed was a Jewish housewarming gift, (laughs) which I've done research and I find no evidence that that (laughs) is a real thing at all, but that's what she did. And everywhere I lived, she showed up, you know, even if I was like when I was living in LA and she visited, she, the first time she, she stopped before she came and bought me flour sugar and salt and this was she said a way of guaranteeing you know that i would never grow hungry my life would be sweet and have some (gasps) spice and now that she's gone you know and i literally make bread out of flour and water and salt i'm like oh my god this is kind of incredible like i will never go hungry if i have those things you know and there's something very primal about that and and it just tastes so good. I mean, I don't think baking sourdough is for everyone. And I don't think making eggplant parmesan is for everybody. And I don't think, you know, not everybody, you know, I think it's worth, if it's something that you're interested in, give it a try because you might love it. And it's a very, I don't like have to plan my day around it anymore. Like I have bread downstairs that I'm totally not paying attention to right now. It's time for it stretch and fall, but it's like, okay, it's actually quite forgiving. Mm. The same way that you could have a sauce on and forget yes. and be like, oh, my God. Yeah. And you might have to come down and put more liquid in it or, you yeah. know. Yeah. You might be like, oh, these tomatoes were crap. I'm going to have to add sugar. Whatever. Yep. You know totally. how to adjust it. Um, I was not like that in the beginning. You know, I was like terrified. I was like, oh, my God, I have to get up at eight. I have to follow. Yeah. The <laughs> da, 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 my, you know, but now I'm not. It's I just kind of get it more like I understand how it works. Not as a scientist at all, just, you know, because I've done it. So I think if, you know, and the difference between using commercial yeast is just that that's something that was made in a factory and your starter, your sourdough starter is just something that's like a pet in a jar that you live with. And, you know, that's really beautiful. And, you know, the story about your mom, actually, I teared up, but then I immediately (laughs) thought, what do Greeks do? So I'm first generation Greek. Mm. They throw money and they do this thing, With which the... is basically spitting. Oh, that's how. Like, if well, you get a new good car, for your starter. There's is... a lot of microbes <laughs> in there, Stacy. Oh, I'm like, what? What am I supposed to do with your money and your spit? But now I know I can buy a new stand mixer and and enrich my sourdough starter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there is some. I don't know if it's Greek. But isn't there something like at a wedding where you break dishes? Is that Greek? Well, you know, that's like a whole thing where 
like, yeah, Greek stirring dishes is a thing. It's mostly a thing in American culture, but then I do believe that it has gone back into Greece and then even in like a Greek soap opera, you might see that happen, for example. Mm -hmm. But I have never known Greek people to actually like throw dishes at a party. Money, the fake spitting, um, and like we definitely will roast an entire goat on our front lawn if you let us. Like well, that, I really you. will. That will really happen, which is great now. But when you're 13 and you are American, yeah, it's you're embarrassed, mortified. Totally. <laughs> okay, I'm inspired. I, I know. Did, I feel like it. you just had sourdough therapy. I did with us, Stacy. So we definitely was. want like a check back in, even if you just pop on Instagram and tell us like how it's going in the coming weeks. But also now I feel like you and Kathy, because you live so close to each other, should do a Zoom class. We should where Stacey, Kathy walks you through it. Let's just do it. Like as in, let's just. But the thing is, you're very busy. I mean, every time I've ever texted, you're like, I'm jumping on a call, or I'm. It's so annoying. So if you ever have like, and you know, a sick, you don't have to be paying attention to it at all times. But we would have to like spend probably forty minutes in the morning together, okay, and then checking in after that, like every half an hour, just for like two minutes, okay. But if you do want to do that, I will totally walk you through this. It's very delicious. And I do think that you, because you're comfortable cooking and it is just cooking, you'll be able to do it a couple times and see if it's worth, if you like it and you may add it into your, you know, routine. And there's nothing as good as a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, yum. Um, oh, so and I have these roasted tomatoes, like confit tomatoes yes, in my yes, fridge right yes. now. Yes. Ooh, yeah. And also just beans on sourdough. Oh my God. Yes. Beans on toast forever. Yes. Yes. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank this you for so letting me. This fun. Was like this is really so great. Fun. <laughs> I also want everyone to know that I did put on lipstick <laughs> for this podcast. Okay. Took it very seriously. Listen, I do the same thing. I have to like get like a little bit of makeup on well, earrings and to feel I mean, like, even though we don't see each other when we record. It's just like I'm aware. It know. makes me feel great. But you're a professional, so you're going to, you know. I put on makeup every damn day, people. (laughs) Uh, This is so great. Kathy, I'll be in touch. So, Billis, I'm going to really hold you and Kathy to this Zoom sourdough class thing. I feel like I would watch that even as a seasoned bread baker. Like, <laughs> Kathy's so funny. You're so funny. Um, you both have TV experience. And so I feel like it would be the most entertaining bread class via Zoom <laughs> of all times ever. I actually like that. I feel more nervous about the bread making and committing to that than I do like, yeah, put us on TV. Like I've done live television. Then I don't break a sweat the same way I do when I feel like I'm going to be held accountable for making sourdough. Isn't that weird? Okay. It's not that weird. And what I heard from Kathy when we were talking before recording was like, she's nervous about the live cooking aspect of it. So like, I feel that's why I feel like you guys would be a great little balance. Like she would be a little (laughs) bit nervous about the live, but you'd be reassuring to her and you'd be nervous about the bread baking, but like she would be reassuring to you. It just feels... It feels like kismet, honestly. (laughs) 
So all right. do we all need right. to start a GoFundMe for that? What do you, what, do, what can I do? <laughs> no, I don't know. How about we start with getting me to bake one successful loaf? Okay. <laughs> so that okay. I have a That's little a bit new... of like confidence going into it. Just a little, just a little. Listen, you have two weeks until this episode airs <laughs> to give it a try. I think you should try it. And then you can be like, success. Right. Um, and we'll bring it to the listeners group. We'll get a petition going to have you bake bread aye, live aye, with Kathy. Aye. I'm sorry. I love, to, I love to put the... It doesn't have the same ring to it as no, Bellis, it does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Sometimes I'll say like, uh, like when I have to spell my married name, I'm like, it's my married name. When people... <laughs> What else I love? You do a lot of this. I don't want to throw Brian under the bus, but, but <laughs> I really but do love him. That's that's my married name. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't want to go off on a side, but sometimes no. I'm like, oh, I should have just kept my maiden name because it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. I was well, very I, pregnant I don't even when know we got your maiden name. Foley. <gasps> Megan oh, Foley. Megan Foley. Hey, now it sounds Foley. weird to say. No, Foley sounds right. If I'm like Foley, come on now. Yeah. It works a little better than Splawn. You're right. It's never too late to change it back, I guess. But no, then that's weird. (laughs) It's a little weird now. (laughs) Anyway. Anywho, let's get a petition going in our listeners group about this bread baking. And also, like, if people, it's like Kathy said, I'm not really tired of talking about sourdough. So if you have questions and you want to drop them in the listeners group, sometimes we're slow to respond just because we're busy, distracted with family and work stuff right now. But we do each take time to hop in there and answer questions every week. Um, So please bring your sourdough questions to me and I will happily answer them. If you if you're not already a part of the listeners group, you can find us as didn't I just feed you on Facebook and Instagram to join the listeners group. You need to answer the question with the word whiskey or we'll accept painkiller or we'll accept quarantini or just tell us your favorite cocktail. I'm like, is she going to really list? We'll accept whatever, but it needs to be a cocktail so we know you've listened. Come on, people work with us here. Yes. And more importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and tell your friends about us. It truly makes a big difference. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Gemma and I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Isaac. What do you eat for lunch every day in the school cafeteria? Not every day, but I usually just eat a bagel with cream cheese. Do you know that I talk about the bagel on the podcast all the time? The bagel's like the bane of my existence. It represents everything that's wrong with tweens and teens having to feed themselves. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening.